Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, do open our hearts, open our eyes, open our understanding that we might see the Lord Jesus in the scriptures and be strengthened having seen him in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 43 verse 1 and I'm going to uh, uh, then skip down after reading those some verses, but you'll see. Okay, Genesis 43, verse 1. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up all, eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore have you dealt so ill with me as to tell the man whether he had a brother? And they said, A man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee. Then let me bear the blame forever." For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits of the land in your vessel, a carry down the man, a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And take double money in your hand, the money that was brought in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand. Peradventure was an oversight. Take also your brother, arise, go again unto the man. God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin, if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Now jump down, please, to verse 29. Verse 29. He lifted up his eyes, saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? He said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. Now jump down to verse 34, verse 34. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. Okay, now, in our last study, we saw bottom, and that was in that verse in the previous chapter, verse 36, Genesis 42, 36, where it says, Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. And you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Now, you notice there, when you look at that verse in uh, Genesis 42, 36, 
that the translators added of my children. So when Jacob said, me have you bereaved, Jacob did not say in Genesis 42, 36, me have you bereaved of my children. He just said, me have you bereaved. Now, it was his children that Jacob was complaining about, so we can understand why the translators added of my children, because it was logical, and they were just trying to add some logic to what Jacob was bereaved about. But that's the point, is that Jacob was not being logical, and he said he was just bereaved because he was stating that he was in a total state of bereavement when he said, all these things are against me. So he was saying that all of life was against him. And this is characteristic when he said this, of the darkness of depression. Depression sees no light. It sees no hope. And this is a very serious state of depression here. Now, there was one event that really threw Jacob into this state of depression. What was that event? You remember from the previous chapter? What was the event that really pushed Jacob over the edge? He was always around the edge, but this pushed him over the edge had to do with when they started to unload all their corn. What was it? The money. But they saw it was the emptying the sacks and that surprising discovery when all the money rolled out. And that was in chapter 42, verse 35, 42, 35, where it says that, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they, both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Jacob, their father, said unto them, then me have you bereaved of my children, and so forth. So it was when Jacob saw the bundles of money that he had sent with them to pay for the food that fear just gripped Jacob, and it caused him to fall into this state of dark depression. And from this state of dark depression, he lashes out in anger to his sons by accusing them, me have you bereaved of my children. So he was accusing them of killing Joseph. It's always in his heart. It was in his mind, but he never said it that way. And then he said, you killed Joseph, taken Simeon away. Now you want to take Benjamin away. This is a very, very sad state of depression that Jacob is in. But what's worse is when he said, all these things are against me. See, that statement, he's not only lashing out at his sons. Now he's indirectly lashing out at God. Because why? Because God controls all things. And so when he says all these things are against me, he's saying God is against me. Now we know that God is not against him. God is not against us. Even when the bad things happen, we know that Romans 8.31 says, Romans 8.31 says, what should we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So God is for us. So when he says all these things are against me, then he doesn't see that these things are working together for him. So he's not seeing Romans 8.28. He's not seeing all things working together for good to them that love God. So Jacob here is having a total meltdown, and he's just melting down into this puddle of self-pity, and he's in despair now. And right after Jacob's outburst over having lost his children, Reuben, the genius, (laughs) he's got the perfect way to comfort his father. He says to his father, I know. This will bring you comfort if you can kill your two grandchildren. (laughs) That'll somehow compensate if we don't bring back Benjamin. I mean, this is unbelievable. (laughs) Jacob is grieving over the loss of his children, and Reuben is proposing to kill two of his grandchildren. Okay, if you're ever in the hospital, you better hope you never have Reuben come and visit you. (laughs) Okay, now, 
What do you think Jacob should have done at this point to not have fallen into this state of dark depression, this despair, this bitterness, this anger? What should he have done now at this point in his life? What do you think? To have not fallen like this. Oh, that's it. Remember God's past faithfulness in delivering from troubles. He'd, okay, what troubles had God delivered Jacob from in the past? Okay, there's the Esau trouble. As a matter of fact, the Esau trouble has two sides. There were two times. Once, right, after Jacob took the birthright, Esau vowed to kill him, and God delivered him, and Jacob escaped. Again, when Jacob was coming back, and Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men, God turned Esau's heart to love Jacob. Okay, so that's the Esau situation. Then what about another person? Laban, Laban, right, Laban. It's a terrible place, Lebanon. Don't go to Lebanon. No, I'm just joking. Laban, <laughs> Laban. Again, two times with Laban. Why? Once, when Laban wanted to take everything away from Jacob and send him away empty, he'd already cheated him. Jacob been working 14 years to get Rachel. Such a prize. But anyway, at that point, he wanted to send him away, stripped of everything, but Jacob worked again and got great wealth. But then again, after he left, and Rachel stole the, her father's idols, but he didn't know. But anyway, but Jacob was then faced with a Laban who wanted to come. And he said, all these children are mine, these wives are mine, and everything you have is mine. He was making very clear that he wanted to take everything from Jacob and send him away the way that he appeared to came to him first. God delivered him through a dream that he gave to Laban, and he told him, you better not touch him. So Jacob, that is. Okay, so those are instances. And then there is also another one with the Canaanites. Remember? See, Jacob's sons, they kill all the Shechemites. And Jacob says to his sons in Genesis 34.30, Genesis 34.30, Jacob said unto Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and I, being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed in my house. So God delivered Jacob from the Canaanites because we read in the following chapter, Genesis 35.5, Genesis 35.5, they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So this is what Jacob needed to be meditating on to keep himself from falling into this dark despair. And also, Jacob needs to also be thinking about at this point, not only what God had done in the past, but what God had promised in the future. Because God had made these promises of these great promises that he made to him when he was at Bethel there, when we read in Genesis 28, 13, Genesis 28, 13, where it says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land where thou liest. To thee will I give it to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, the south, and in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with thee, will keep thee in all places where thou goest, will bring thee again into this land. I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken to thee of. So those were great promises that he had made. And so to keep him from falling into this dark depression, Jacob needed to meditate on those promises that he made at Bethel, and he renewed them again at Peniel. 
Penio, what he said in Genesis 32, 28, 32, 28, he said, thy name be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So this is what Jacob should have been thinking about. Now, when we left chapter 42, Jacob had made a final decision about Benjamin. You remember what that was? Genesis 42, 38, 42, 38, last verse in Genesis 42. What was the final decision? He's not going. That's it, (laughs) okay? That's final. It's out of the question. It's not open for any more discussion. The case is closed. He doesn't want to hear anything more about Benjamin going down to Egypt. And that's how we finished in the last chapter. Benjamin is not going to Egypt, period. Okay. But now, chapter 43 opens with the famine was sore in the land. Now, now Jacob had figured already in the end of the last chapter that he would rather lose Simeon than risk losing Benjamin. But now the famine is pressing down hard on Jacob. As a matter of fact, that's how the Hebrew reads in verse 1, that the hunger was heavy. The hunger was heavy. So they're suffering here. They're suffering from starvation. And that's the worst kind of death that there is, this death by starvation. Uh, Jeremiah describes that in Lamentations 4.9. Lamentations 4.9 where Jeremiah says, they that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of fruits of the field. So it's, it, Jeremiah says, it's better you get killed with a sword than you, you die the slow death of hunger. That's what they're gripped in here. The famine has just tightened its squeeze on Jacob and the family. And it's no longer a question about risking Benjamin's life and sending him down. Now it's a question of risking everyone's life by not sending Benjamin down. So we read in the next verse, verse 2, it came to pass when they'd eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again and buy us a little food. You know, it says that when they had eaten up the corn, their father said unto them. And these words, go again, It's a real cry of desperation. Go again, go again. I can't stand the hunger. Go again. It's such a graphic picture of people today. You know, they tried to stay away from Egypt and just live on the corn they had, but the corn ran out and they're forced to go down to Egypt. They had hoped that what they might, what they had might last through the famine, but it didn't. And that's a picture of man today. He's trying to stay away from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's clinging to life, to his possessions, to his comfortable life, to his recreations, to his reputation, to his family, anything. And just as we see Jacob here trying to rely on the corn they had to keep away from Egypt, from the man down there. And so man today tries to rely on anything to keep him away from God. And the Lord Jesus Christ warned about a life like that when he referred to the two different meats he referred to in John 6.27. John 6.27, he said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath hath God the Father sealed. So meat satisfies hunger. I like meat. Anyway, and the Lord spoke of two meats, though. One meat that doesn't give a lasting satisfaction, because you keep on having to come back for it, and the other meat So, for example, what he was referring to were the meat of possessions and so forth. And that doesn't give a lasting satisfaction. 
and then the other meat of eternal life, which is a gift that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. One meat the Lord calls the meat that perisheth. The other meat he calls the meat that endureth. So as we see this family here with the corn running out, it's a picture of man spending his life to get the meat that perisheth. And we see Jacob with the corn that run out, and he's crying out in desperation, go again, buy us a little food. It's such a picture of man in the world who what he finds in the world, which is John, 1 John 2, 16 says, describes everything that's in the world. 1 John 2, 16 says, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world passes away, perishing, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So all that a man finds in the satisfaction of the world, it's not of God, it's just passing away. So Jacob's crying out, go again, I need more. I ran out. It reminds me of a famine that drove another man. His name was um, Bobby Matos, Bobby Matos. Bobby Matos, if you were into Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, then you'd know Bobby Matos. <laughs> Bobby Matos, he's a Jewish man from Bronx, from the Bronx in New York. He was born in 1941. Now, when Bobby was a little boy, he began to play music by hitting pots and pans in his grandmother's apartment in the Bronx. And so they gave him lessons so he wouldn't hit the pots and pans. So he studied drums under Santa Maria, and he played the Latin drums all over New York City, and he became a famous band leader, and he even toured with Miriam Makiba and Bette Midler. And, and anyway, he's a very famous guy. And so, oh, I have a picture of him here. You can't see it, probably. Can you see that? That's Bobby, Bobby Maddows there, playing his drums. I can play music for you, but that's okay. Anyway, now what's interesting about a musician is that he expresses himself by the title of the songs that he writes, and Bobby Maddows wrote songs. And so some of Bobby Maddows' songs reflected, it's interesting, how a Brooklyn Jew wanted to transform himself into Latino. <laughs> so one of his songs is called Mi Alma Latino, uh, you know, My Latin Soul, you know. <laughs> and another one is Afro-Cubano. So now he's an African-Cuban anyway. And another one is Cafe with Bagels. <laughs> but okay, those are some of his expressions. But some of his other songs show a soul that was reaching out to God because he wrote songs entitled Ain't Too Proud to Beg and Unchain My Heart and the God of the crossroads, and the creator has a master plan, and the promised land. Well, last week we got a call from a Christian Latina woman uh, named Gina in Los Angeles. She called the Israel Restoration 800 number, and she wanted to talk about how she was recently witnessing to a dying Jewish man with cancer. And Gina said that she had taken drum lessons in the past from this famous Latin he wasn't really Latin, but anyways, Jewish drummer from New York and living in Los Angeles, and it was Bobby Matos. And so Gina had heard that he was sick with cancer, and so she said that she had received Tom Canner's frequently asked questions from a West Coast um, Baptist College student on the Saturday Los Angeles outreaches. You know, that's the one that goes on during the year when the summer blitz is not going on. And she said the book helped her to know how to respond to Jewish people like Bobby so she felt confident to go and visit Bobby in the hospital. And she was worried that Bobby in his current state wouldn't remember her as his student, So, especially since she had to wear a mask when she went into the, over her face because of his conditions, cancer condition. So she was told that when she got there, 
She was warned by the nurses that she said, look, you know, Bobby has been very feisty, very angry. He's yelling at everyone in the hospital. And so Gina went into the room there with another friend and she found that he was near death. And But he did recognize her and acknowledged her. He was very tired and he simply listened to her talk as she spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, she had only led a few people to the Lord through the sinner's prayer, but with boldness then, she explained what Jesus did, and she led Bobby in the sinner's prayer. He was unable to speak for himself. He was unable to verbalize back the sinner's prayer, but he just closed his eyes. But then Gina asked Bobby, did you trust Jesus as your Savior? And he looked at her and nodded yes. And then she asked him, if he asked Jesus to forgive her sins, and he again looked at him, nodded yes. And she said there was a peace, and, and there was a presence there, and he fell back to sleep. There he is in this now, Los Angeles Hospital, very close to heaven. Anyway, just as the famine broke Jacob, so cancer broke Bobby and brought him to this repentance where he accepted the Lord. And you remember those songs that he wrote, you know, like uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg and Unchained My Heart and God of the Crossroads and Creator has a master plan in the promised land. Well, just as with Jacob now in his famine, it took cancer for Bobby to become ain't too proud to beg for God and to finally have his prayer answered of unchain my heart and to find the God of the crossroads in his life and, and the Creator has a master plan for him and he's reached the promised land all through the Lord Jesus Christ. So why did that happen, by the way? Because it took dedicated Saturday outreach students just like the summer blitzers, leaving booklets on the doorsteps. It took a dedicated Latina Christian student of Latin jazz drums who said in her heart, she wasn't going to let her Jewish teacher die and be cast into hell. She was going to go. So pray for her. She's, she has a, another teacher now named Roth. His last name is Roth. He's always Jewish drummer as well. And so she's going to go witness to him. Now, Bobby wasn't the only Jewish man who had a personal famine that drove him to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was also, this last week, Morty in Toronto, Canada, and he was reached by the Summer Blitzers, and they wrote, Morty is an elderly man in his 70s. Wait, what's that make me? I don't know. What's that make you, Larry? <laughs> anyway, Morty is an elderly man in his 70s, but you know, you know, when you're late teens and 20, they look really ancient. And probably the most receptive out of any of the Jewish people we've encountered. When he answered the door, I saw the kippah on his head, knew that most men in his age were set in their ways, and we were in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Yet he decided to be quiet and simply listen, and was very interested in the gospel. He was so ready and thirsty to accept the gospel message that distractions seemed to get in the way. Upon the third visit, is written, I gave him the gospel for the third time and led him to a point of decision. He immediately took the decision. It honestly took me a little off guard on how quickly he received the gospel. This was only a 15-minute visit, and he accepted Christ as his Messiah, as God and Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord for this man's readiness to gladly accept Christ. Peace came over him. It's difficult to visit him, considering that his children and neighbors are Orthodox, and his wife has Alzheimer's. He is hurting. I don't know all the details of his pain, but peace came over him when I told him that I would pray for him. And since he's accepted Christ, he now has Christ to help him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.